Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. We take the podcast to downtown Las Vegas, Fremont Street for SLGND. It's Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave, presented by the D-Hotel, from the D-Hotel at the Fremont Street Experience. Derek Stevens, owner of the D, stops by with reflections on FanFest. We also chat with Golden Knights President Kerry Bubbles. He shares experiences from getting started in Vegas, growing up in Oklahoma, and his experiences running the Cleveland Cavaliers and much more. The SLG and D crew adds perspective to William Carlson's 27 goals, including two against his old team, a 6-3 win over Columbus on Tuesday. Looking around the NHL, who's hot? Which is the best line in hockey? Is there a danger for the Golden Knights attached to their early success? Razor fold on playing guilty in Vegas. Razor fold on general managers challenging his players. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. Presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. Uh, Well done, Dan Duva, as always. Thanks very much. The Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. Coming to you from where else? The D Hotel. The official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Right out here on Fremont Street. Dave Gosher, Shane Nutty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva. All here with you, and um, it's a, this is a little different crowd than when we had the um, fan fest here. I don't know, two weeks ago, and there were ten thousand people here, and there's uh, there's about twenty five that are lingering, kind of watching what we're doing. So what, what are these? What are Who these are those guys? Doing out there? <laughs> what are they doing? Out I here? think Just the players talking. attract a few people. Yeah, yeah I, I would yeah. think so. They're not, they're not here to. See I thought it was Gary Lawless that yes, brought the well, crowd. I yeah. love arriving. So does he. Yeah. I love arriving. Yes, that's right. Good work, Shane. Yeah. I love arriving to work and having. You know, the sound of slot machines dinging yep. and people yep. winning money and people having cocktails and smoking cigarettes <laughs> and gambling and carrying on like it's uh, the end of the world. And it's, oh, it's 8.15 yeah. on a Wednesday. Sounds like a typical day of the Golden Knights office. 8.15 a.m. 8.15 a.m. on a Wednesday. That is, you know, if, if you had said to me at the end of high school, this is your future, this is where, this is going to be your office, uh, where do I sign? Yeah, you'd sign up immediately, if not sooner. Well, it's um, Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave, podcast from the D Hotel and the Vegas Golden Knights um, into the second half of the season now, but closing in on the All-Star break, not quite there just yet as we speak one more game to go against the New York Islanders uh, at T-Mobile Arena coming up uh, on Thursday night but uh, this team coming off a recent four-game road trip where they get five of a possible eight points and then uh, just another phenomenal atmosphere it sounds like a broken record but it's um, it's the same deal every night at T-Mobile Arena they had uh, the second largest crowd of the year this past home game against the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh, on their way to another win to go 19-2 and 2 at home so uh, Sheriff you know this team continues to um, be able to pile up points which is enormous because as the second half of the season kicks in and especially after the all-star break they literally play every other day so they've got a lot of points in the bank which is crucial especially as they try to hey, they realize first and foremost is a long way to go but already some very valuable points put away and, and that was an important road trip for them especially they started off against national might have been their best game they played didn't get anything so you have three games left and they pick up a five or six points but uh, and then back home, a big win. That first game back at home after a road trip here, a lot of coaches talk about it, kind of a trap game. Well, they're able to pull off a good victory, and it is so important right now to take any points. Um, there's still a lot of work left, 35 games left in the season, and uh, you look around the league, 
seems like the Western Conference, especially the, is not slowing down. You look at the Central Division, what Colorado, they finally lost after winning 10 in a row. Uh, Calgary's been on a great run. Uh, you know, San Jose's picking up points. Eh, everybody seems to be winning. So that you don't, you're not afforded a luxury really to take a lot of days off. And I don't think that has been the focus at all. The, the, the Golden Knights really have taken it one game at a time. They haven't really settled in and been satisfied with where they're at at this point, and you shouldn't be. And I think that's been their mentality, and good on them because uh, still a lot of hockey. It's a tough season, a lot of big games, and a lot of tough road trips coming up, as you mentioned. You know, honestly, the, the game last night, uh, Tuesday night against Columbus, was one that frankly kind of concerned me a little bit. The team's coming off a good road trip. You're back home. Columbus hadn't played a lot of hockey. They had their bye week. They'd only played one game since coming back. They, you know, you can make the argument that they had been in Vegas for four days, and that's fair enough. But still, um, you know, the for the Golden Knights coming off a trip, long flight back on uh, Sunday, I guess it was, and they just continue to 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 not to not miss a beat. Um, Mark Andre Fleury has been fantastic. Led them again to the win last night. Sunday night in Carolina after the game, we were in the room. Apparently, Gerard Gallant came in and you know mentioned really quickly. All right. We all know the standings. This means you're first place overall. And then sort of said, doesn't mean anything. It's time to flip the page on that. And let's focus not on the results, but on the process that has brought us to this point. And that's the way they play. James Neal uh, then spoke on the record shortly after that and said, you know, what does this mean? It means we're a good hockey team. It means that we're consistent. It means that in, in today's NHL, with the parity that, that is out there, it means that we accept the challenge every night and we go out there and, and we try and do what we have to do to win. And then he looked at me and he said, and this, Shane, I want you to talk about this. He said, we get to the rink every night and we believe we're going to win the game. We, it, it's not, and it's not manufactured, it's not contrived, it's organic. They show up with the belief that they're going to win. And I... Listen, I, having Connor McDavid is great. Having Austin Matthews is great. Whatever. That belief, I don't, is there anything more important? It's confidence. Yeah. And that, that word gets overused, but it, it certainly should be. And that goes both team and individual. William Carlson, John Torrell talked about after the game. He said, that is a very confident hockey player. And when you have confidence, you believe in your abilities, you believe uh, in your team, and you believe you're in the game. The Golden Knights have not been out of a game since December the first against Winnipeg. They're a confident team. You touched on Marc-Andre Fleur. I think he gives them confidence. He's got a 9-4-4 save percentage right now, and he, you know, he gave up three goals last night. I think it bumped his goals against to like a 1-7-something. It, it just outrageous numbers. James Neal. So those are two guys that came in, and those are big words coming from them. So what does first place give you? It gives you confidence. It gives you belief. And I think it ends at that. And that's what this team needs. They know there's a lot of work. They understand. I think they have a, a coach that really keeps them grounded. I think they've got a veteran group that keeps this team grounded. And you need to be grounded. But it's not a bad thing to have that belief, Gary, to have that confidence because it carries you a long way as a team and as an individual. And You know, I'll add to that, and it's really Nick Felino, the captain of the Blue Jackets, who used this word, composure, because he didn't think his team had it. Took a two-to-one lead, seemed to have momentum in the second period. Then Vegas comes back and scores those three goals in less than four minutes. And he didn't think that his team had the composure. And pointed to a lot of things that the Golden Knights have been doing, in particular that second period. This is what we need to do. 
Foligno made reference to last year's Blue Jackets, the team that won 16 straight games, and he made points of that's when we were working hard. And sort of by omission was saying that his Blue Jackets team wasn't working as hard. So composure was the other part of it. Sure, if you talk about confidence, composure is a, a byproduct of, of that confidence. So when you don't fall behind, or if you do, they don't get rattled. And so they can bounce right back or hold on to a lead. That's the composure. I thought Felino hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, the other word that comes to mind to me is unfazed. They don't, they hit a bump in the road in right. the game. Bingo. No biggie. You know, they bounce, you know, like the other, like the game against Columbus, they fall behind, they score two goals in two minutes, all of a sudden they have the lead for good. Um, and the other thing I would talk, I would mention too, and I think we may have talked to this, talk about this in a previous podcast is, you know, if you looked early in the year, the first couple of games, especially on the road, they kind of hung in there, you know, got a goal late, a couple goals in the third period in the oh, first sure. game of the year, got a goal late in the second game of the year from Nate Schmidt in um, Arizona, won in overtime. Now it's, they go out and grab games. You know, they, yeah. they, you know, you've talked about this, Sheriff. Look, other teams have a say in this. I mean, they're, they're competitive by nature. They want to win. But, you know, most nights, their ability, the funny part, we talked about it on the road, Shane, was the best game they played on the road was in Nashville, and they came away with nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They came away empty. But I think they feel on most nights, you know, Gerard Gallant talks about this almost, if it's not every day, it's every other day. We worry about how we play. And if we play the way we're capable of playing and the style we're capable of playing, most nights we're going to have a real good chance to win. And that's bore itself out through the first 47 games of the year. A big part of it is they were able early on to establish an identity and to identify a structure of how they're going to play. And there's teams that have trouble with that. And when you don't have those two things, you come unraveled, as you mentioned, or unfazed. Like, you, you lose the way you are. They always have that to fall back on. Not every night are you going to feel great. And, and I think they've got different people picking up at different times. But they're able to come back. Okay, what's our identity? Okay, we play. We work hard. We're going to play structured in our own zone. We know how to play in three zones. We play quick. We play fast. And even if your legs aren't there, they, they have the ability to fall back on what their basics to make them successful are. And they identified that early. And to me, I think that's been a big part of the success. And on the second period, I want to ask what you guys think. Gerard Gallant said it in his press conference. He thought the second period against the Blue Jackets was the best period the team had played all year. He said it not once, but twice. And the second time he said it, it was the best period by far. What do you think, Sheriff? Was that the best period they've played all season? Well, it certainly looked like they dominated it uh, 20 shots against the Blue Jackets, uh, you know, maybe there, there's always a part of it. Every team gets pieces of game. This is the NHL and you're not going to dominate for 60 minutes, but that's about as good a 20 minutes as you'll see from the Golden Knights. They could have been, you know, if it wasn't for Bobrovsky, the score probably should have been about 8-2 uh, heading into the third. So uh, I just like the way they played their attack, their transition, their forecheck. All elements of their game were certainly on in that second period. We've seen a lot of good periods, but the coach would know better than us, and, and I'm sure once he watches the tape back, uh, we'll see if uh, he agrees with his comments, but it, it definitely was one of their best periods of the season. Well, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, coming to you from the official downtown hotel, the Vegas Golden Knights, the D Hotel, we're right out here on Fremont Street. Look who stumbled here oh. on the broadcast. Derek, what are you doing here, Derek Stevens? You work here. I know you run the show and all that, but did you expect to stop by to hang out with us, or did you just lose a bet? No, no. This is, this is pretty cool. We're right here on Fremont Street. This is awesome. Early early morning. Uh, pretty cool out here. Yeah, thanks, guys. No, thanks for having us. Um, 
What's, uh, you know, we had you on earlier in the season, Derek, and now you know, here it is past the second half of the year, um, and things just seem to get better and better for this team from your standpoint, and what's kind of been your observation, and how much fun has this been for you to be a part of? Uh, it's, it's just been terrific. I mean, uh, the, the number of people that are flying in from out of town, obviously this impacts the hotel casino business, but the, the community element is just, is just outstanding. I mean, uh, last night, again, the energy inside of T-Mobile, uh, it's something I've really never seen before. It's just, it's just, it's just absolutely terrific. The, about two weeks ago, I guess almost two weeks ago, um, there was a little fan fest here at the D-Hotel. Little would be, uh, is kind of an oxymoron, but 10,000 people to come out for the fan fest. What was that like to be a part of, and what were some of the reactions you heard from people? I mean, we, the stage is 20 feet from us as we sit here, and you know, Shane and I, we had a, we were up there to introduce the team and kind of do our dog and pony show, and we, as far as we could see, there were people, red carpet all over the place. Um, what was your reaction, and what did you hear from people before and after that? Well, first, first thing I have to say is thanks to you guys. You guys made this thing flow. Wasn't that awesome bringing everybody downtown Las Vegas? Absolutely fantastic. You know, I think a lot of players were actually uh, a little bit in awe going down the red carpet. I, I, I think it was just a great event. I think, I think, and, and what you guys did was just was just awesome. Uh, bringing the whole community to downtown Las Vegas to be able to have a chance to see uh, see the guys without helmets on and whatnot, and and sign autographs and give high fives and from little kids to, uh, to, to hockey transplants here in Las Vegas. It was, just, it was just a great, great event. You've been around this town, and you're a Detroit guy. You've seen great things from the Red Wings. Can you, could you have imagined? Like, it's kind of strange that we keep asking the same question, but it's, no one has an answer, and, and, and no one can kind of can synergize this into, a, into an easy answer. This is just crazy what has unfolded in terms of of what's happened on the ice and the support in the community. You know, um, having a little background owning the owning the AAA baseball team, I always thought that, you know, the first major league level professional franchise coming to Las Vegas would be a big, big hit. And the fact that this is an expansion team, not a transplant, was a really, really big deal. This is a town that had so much pent-up demand for sports. Obviously, it's a 24-hour town, entertainment town, but sports is so critical. And, and this town was looking for something competitive, and uh, there, there couldn't be anything that hit at, the, at, at, a, at a better time than the Golden Knights. So to be honest, I, I'm really not surprised that the, the community has endorsed this team like with this love and this passion. I, 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 I kind of thought there'd be something like this. Obviously, to the extent, you know, I think we're all a little surprised. And obviously, the way the team's playing is, 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 is very surprising to, I think, everyone. And you guys are the pros, but uh, it's just really stunning. It, it really is. And you mentioned Vegas-born. I think the fans grab hold of that. And, and there's a connection because this team born here and I think it's fantastic what they've done and we we've talked a lot now the success here and obviously going forward and and down around this area you've been part of the you jumped on board right away when this team was where do you see it girl we've seen fan fest what's the next wave as you look forward as a businessman down and, and growing this game in the downtown area oh you know as much as this this um, excitement has really kind of taken over the community um, I actually think we haven't even come close to where this is going. This community has not seen what happens during the playoffs. Yeah. And, and playoff hockey is very, very special. And within a community, it's very special. And I think, I think playoff hockey is gonna hit Las Vegas and it's just gonna just go crazy. I, I, I really think 
the, the, the passion is going to really explode here in the next few, few months. You know, it's funny you say that, Derek, because I, I thought about it, and it might have been last night, where every night the atmosphere feels like a playoff game <laughs> without it being a playoff game. You know what I mean? So I, I, I kind of thought a little bit after the game last night of what's this going to be like, knock on any wood you can find, and let's say things continue to go well for this team, and they're actually playing Stanley Cup playoff games in that building. I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's going to be beyond belief. The energy in that building every night. I mean, you go to, you know, I'm sure plenty of games, and you've been to a lot of, um, have you ever seen anything like it in terms of, you know, you've been around different cities, different venues, different buildings, different events. Have you ever seen anything like the, the atmosphere there? You know, one thing, one thing that really stands out to me at T-Mobile, and, and I think it's a, a testament to the Las Vegas fans and their passion, is isn't it amazing that there's not an empty seat in the house when the national anthem goes? Yeah. Vegas fans show up on time. I mean, everyone is so excited. It, it's not as if fans are trickling in on the first three, four, five stoppages of play. I mean, the, the, the aisles are empty, you know, at the time, at the, time the national anthem's over. It's, 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 it's really amazing. And I think, I think that's great for, great for the team. I think it's great for, for everybody being part of this atmosphere. It's, it's just awesome. What's, uh, what's coming up here down the road at the, at the D Hotel? Obviously, the Super Bowl, the biggest sporting day in the country, uh, coming up here in about a week and a half. The champs will be taking on the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Patriots. <laughs> Dave was pretty excited. With that, that almost overlapped with the, the Golden Knights game. I wasn't going to go on the air until the game was over. Shane was going to start the game by himself if they didn't pull out the AFC Championship game. But uh, obviously, the Super Bowl coming up, Super Bowl, is it 52? Is that 52. we're up to now? Um, Coming up here February 4th. Am I right on the date? Uh, what do you got? Do you have big plans for that here at the D? Oh, we sure do. You know, we've got uh, we've got uh, four Super Bowl parties. Uh, actually, I have to. That's I, it. I have to. I have to actually say that more appropriately. We have four big game bash parties. Oh, going that's on. right. There's a copyright deal, and, right? Uh, and you know, we've got two inside of the D, and we've got two outside of the downtown Las Vegas Event Center. Um, you know, I think we're going to have about 4,000 of our, of our, uh, of our friends uh, flying into town to watch Super Bowl here in Las Vegas. Well, it's coming up soon, and um, Derek, we appreciate you stopping by. I know this, I mean, we appreciate you having us. So this is our first on-the-road Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. And, it's uh, not on the road. This is our home. This is home. Well, you know what this I mean. Is out home. of a studio, I guess, is the better way to put it. Our home, our home outside of the studio. I love Are we going to be here permanently now? Like, what would you feel if we just showed up here every couple of weeks? I think it's great. Okay, I mean, good. think about this. I mean, we've got this, we've got this pipe through all the Fremont Street experience yeah. here. And, and uh, you're right. This is home, guys. Thank someone's, you very much. Someone's bootlegging the podcast as we speak. <laughs> There's someone out there with a recorder. The next time. Before Shane, we can post it, it'll be on some other guy's site. The, the next time, Derek, can you do you have anything to control over the zip lining? Shane loves heights. Oh, yeah, him up there. a big fan of that. <laughs> that you know, we might have, that might have to be uh, played into some bets there about, yeah. uh, you know, somebody. I want to see a grown man cry. Get him. <laughs> I, I might be okay in the zip line. I think I could survive that fall. I don't know. We'll see. Well, Derek, we always appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us here, and thanks so much for being the presenting sponsor here, the uh, Cheryl Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hey, guys, thank you so much All for right, being Derek here. Stevens Thanks. joining us from the D Hotel in downtown Vegas. Ludwig shot blocker is saved. Bobrovsky turns it away. Puck on the near side. It's Marcia, so who shot it, and he gets his own rebound. Up the wall, dishes right for England. He shoots, tip on goal, save, score! Carlson the rebound. Vegas takes a 1-0 lead. Twenty-six goals for William Carlson. 
The former Blue Jacket strikes first against his old club, and Vegas on top early once again. So I'm just kind of taking a quick glance at the Western Conference right now. So teams that are in the playoff picture that missed last year. Uh, Winnipeg. I mean, Golden Knights obviously weren't, weren't part of it. Uh, Dallas. Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. Yeah, it's Joe, who, wasn't Joe Sackick the dumbest guy in hockey th three months ago? Right. Doesn't who, look like it now. Who came to Vegas and lost 7-zip. Just recently ripped off 10 wins in a row. And if anybody's ever heard me talk about how important cohesion and chemistry is on no, a team, there's good. no better example than the Colorado Avalanche. Addition by subtraction? Huge. I I'm sorry, Matt Deshane, and he's a talented, good player. And I don't know him personally. Maybe a great guy. But that was a an elephant in the room. It was a distraction for so long. It was a heavy weight. Look what's happened to Nathan McKinnon since Duchesne departed. Uh, right. Look at the look at the team. MVP candidate. Absolutely. So it, it just shows to me what you need to have in that room is so important. Well, and you know it better than, than anybody sitting at this table, Shane. You, you want to... You want guys that want to be there. Oh. And if it's obvious you don't want to be there, it's got to, it's got to be a black cloud hanging over that room every day when, you know, sitting next to the guy or you're, you know, do, in battle night to night. And if, if the guy next to you is just kind of half in it, that gets old fast. And I, and I used to think, you know, oh, well, you can do this. But, you know, being part of a, a team that wins the Stanley Cup, you really can't. There can't be any ruffles at all. No. It, it has to be smooth. And you see it. I've uh, been on some great teams. They won a President's Cup in Ottawa. And, and I'm not going to mention names or whatever, but they're, you know, in Boston. And you hear that. People always talk to win the Cup's best group of guys they played with. Well, they say that for a reason. It truly is. You have to have that. And I think we're seeing more and more teams develop that. And that's what, you know, what, one of the things we don't talk enough about, I think, in Vegas yeah. is the chemistry, which you know, Gerard Gallant has obviously done a brilliant job fostering that and, and, and growing it. But George McPhee... Uh, whether it was a happy accident or not, the players that they put together, there's no hierarchy in that in that locker room set up by salary because the highest paid guy is Mark Andre Fleury and he's making 5.75. They're all, uh, you know, they're all in a, in a in an area where they're equals in that regard. And then Gallant plays them all, he spreads the ice time around so that there's no there's no one that doesn't feel part of it. And that Shane must really be that's like the, that's throwing the log onto the chemistry fire and keeping it going everybody has a role to play and i'm a big believer in you understanding your role and not trying to outstep your bands but you the importance of your role whether it's eight minutes 20 minutes a night each part of that has ownership in the success of the team and that is a big part of what this team is about. And I think Gerard Gallant, and we've seen it with guys stepping into the lineup, the Brad Hunts, the John Merrill, the huge goal against Pittsburgh. These guys are out of the lineup, but they still felt part of it. And then they come in and they're able to contribute. That to me is what being a team is all about. Well, you look at, you know, and it's been well-documented, their goaltenders and everything they had to go through in, in the first 10 games, the first 17 games, and everybody contributed from Max Legacy to Oscar Dansk and Subban and, and obviously Marc-Andre Fleury and even Dylan Ferguson getting in for about nine minutes of a game. Um, just a couple other quick things. The LA Kings, they, you can't seem to figure them out, right? They go on a great run, they go the other way, and now they're trying to fight to, to stay in the playoff race. Hard parody. to figure. Parody, parody is, in the league. Yep. Parody what? is vicious. I, I, it is. Here's a, wasn't there a comment by Drew Doughty the last time the, the Golden Knights met? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see who's we'll, in first at the end. At the end uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be better than them when the playoffs arrive. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, speaking of, obviously, um, 
Vegas coming in this year and being just the success story of the league so far. Um, talk about expansion in a couple of years, Lawman. Seattle, they get to even it out at some point, right? 16 in the East, 16 in the West. Yeah. Looks like Seattle's going to be next. Well, uh, someone, someone said to me recently, a media member texted me and said, I'm hearing that, that you know, a couple of GMs are going to complain about the expansion rules. So <laughs> it's kind of disingenuous for us to have this discussion. We work for the Golden Knights. I absolutely think the expansion rules I should agree. be more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> this is an outrage. Protect everybody. I agree. <laughs> you know, Next Gary, expansion. You know, well, Gary, you and I were talking about this on a flight recently, and, and the thought comes to mind, if going into the year, everybody had been picking Vegas to finish in a playoff spot, okay, maybe yeah. the people would have a point. But everybody was still picking Vegas to finish last. Yeah. So even with the rules, maybe Vegas got a bunch of good players, even with the rules that were in place, you know, I just we love Scott Burnside, who covers the Dallas Stars. He had preseason ranking Vegas dead last, 31st. Yeah. This past week, he had Vegas number one. And I went back and I looked at why he had Vegas number 31 to start the year. He said, they're not very strong down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Scott. But, yeah. uh, but, but that just goes to show people had pegged Vegas last, even with those rules. So you can't now, halfway through the season, say, oh, Vegas got too many good players because of the rules. Well, Everybody was saying this in the summertime, that they were going to be bad. Dan, GMs have really short memories. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're going to they're they're forget those discussions. They're just going to point at an expansion team being near the top of the stands in the National Hockey League and say, how did this happen and why did it well, happen? Well, the, the answer is George McPhee was smarter than all the other yeah. GMs. <laughs> well, you know, the point was made to me recently about, you know, if you're another GM or you're, you know, scouts around the league who put in endless hours all over the place yeah. scout you know but if you look at this and, and i've got to believe if you're sitting in another nhl city you're saying what the hell's going on will carlson could have had five goals what's last night yes what's going on here now the other breakaways you know what shane and i were riding home last night and i said same thing could have had five goals and part of me thinks well would columbus love to have him back well but they had it for two years and he, they didn't put him in an offensive role. Now, it could be the chicken or the egg theory, but, right? Well, even after they traded Johansson last year, they didn't right. give him a more prominent right. role. He so thought they had that he him. would, but they didn't. And they didn't think he was a fit. Someone emailed me last night after the game the trade that the Anaheim Ducks made right. when they sent Will Carlson and... Yeah, they, they're the ones who drafted him. For James right. Wisniewski. Right. And the Wiz never played a playoff game for them that year. Yeah. If you're Bob Murray, you're watching that game last night, and you're going, huh. I know. Yeah, you look at it, and you say, what? But no, no, you know, no, no there's one a bats, lot of teams that could say that. No one bats right? a 1,000, right? No. There's, there's, Columbus you, also had Jonathan Marshall. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. want to play two Jonathan. games? I mean, well, we, we, didn't, we haven't mentioned Florida. You know, no. obviously, you know, the coach. Coach is. The, the wingers on the oh, top yeah. line. The, the wingers on the top line. The biggest fan, second favorite team are the Florida Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> All right. Well, the Sheriff stuff. Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast coming to you from Fremont Street, the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Time for the quiz, Dan Duva. Are you ready to uh, dole out the questions this time around? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, the, the questions are, come, are, de are deciphered by uh, Gary Lawless, and I, I just asked him, so... We'll see which questions he has in store for us today. But uh, last was time, was he a little bit of throwing under the bus prior to the questions? Should there? be. No, no. What is that about? <laughs> <Should be. laughs> wink, wink. 
sensitive. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's kick it off here. And, uh, and you know, this, uh, Dave, by the way, won it last time, didn't you? No question. Sure. Yep. So, so that means you have the honors. Like I, we're I write golf. the questions assuming that your massive hockey knowledge will allow you to look at that question and, and, and add a little context to it because you know what's going on in the league. It, it's just sort of an indirect insight into the mind of Gary Lawless. Sadly questions mistaken. We're, we're bringing up here on the quiz. Very limited. <laughs> so, Dave Gosher. Yes, hello. The Department of Player Safety, to work there, to be even, you know, somebody in the position there to, to try to decipher all of these things. Isn't it an impossible job? I would never want it in a million years. Oh, yeah. I, I think you just take a beating in that. Who's happy? Nobody's happy, right? The, the team's pissed at you. The players are upset. You know, so who they run through there? It's, it was, they've had, you've got George Paris in there now. Brendan Shannon was yep. in there. Stefan Cantal was in there. Way back when it was Brian Burke, right? Uh, yeah, I, there's not a chance because, you know, everyone's got their skin in the game, right? And I just can't, you can't, nobody's going to be happy with whatever decision you make. So, yeah, I, I do think it's an impossible job to have. Here's a wrinkle that I think needs to be considered. Brian Burke is the president of a team. Brennan Shanahan is the president of a team. I don't know where Cantal is right now. George Peros is going to go work for a team someday. It makes it really hard to do that job when you know we, they, everyone aspires to work for a team. So you're, you're dealing with people that are potentially going to be your next employers or hopefully mm -hmm. are going to be your next employers. And, and I'm not impugning the character of any of the people that did this job because I think that they, they, they all did it with principle. But that's a fa that has to be a factor that's in the mix. And then, and then you're also, you come from the NHL. George Peros has relationships after coming out of the NHL. And again, I'm sure, I know that George does it principled, but there are things within, within us that, that, are, you know, that, that color our decisions. And I, I, I don't know how they can be I think they're all conflicted to a certain degree yeah. on the, because of where they come from and because of where they're going to go. Now, how do you fix that? Yeah, that's going to be my because question, Because you've right? got to have hockey experience to do the job. You, so, you, 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 so you've got to be a former player. You've got to be a guy who's been in the game and around the game. And those people have relationships, and those people want to run teams and win Stanley Cups. They're competitors. So Colin Campbell's the other guy who was, right, who was right, in the right, mix right. as well. And again, Coley was a was a player. He was a coach. He was a you know had relationships. His son was in the league, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's sure. it's a small community, and how you can disassociate the people running the Department of Player Safety from their past and from their future is a question that I think someone needs to really take a long, hard look at and find a way to figure fit to solve that. You know, is there a better way to do it, Shane? Right? It, it seems know. like you know. Do you have? You have a panel. I'm going to answer the question. Is it an impossible job? Yeah. I thought that was the question. Okay, just answer the question. The question. Yes, it's a stepping stone. I agree there. And it is an impossible job. It's not one I'd like. I agree with you. Because you cannot get everyone to agree. And it's an impossible job because you're constantly defending your decision. And it wears on guys. Why do you think they roll so many? Yes, they want to move on. But guys, it's grinding to be told constantly. You're not going to hear when you made the right decision. You're going to hear when you made the wrong, and you're going to have GMs calling you and telling you 
what what are this and a that and the, 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 a great example the Cogliano. So did right. he? Deserve, I can. I've talked to many people. I don't think he deserved to be suspended. Maybe why? Because I think that's a record that should have been. It was a great story. Uh, Dustin Brown gets fined a few days later for crosscheck. I thought that should have been suspended. People would disagree with me, and that's because you're never going to get two people who even could have the same you know, agreement on how the game or the situation is constantly going to be a debate and you're never, you know, it's rare. There are circumstances where everybody's on the same page where they believe it's a suspension. Well, great. They all believe, but then you got people to say, well, it should have been five games. No, this should be 15. Well, it's, it's just, it's a job that will never please anybody and it is impossible. This is, this is a long time ago now, but you know, it, <laughs> Mark Savard's career was ended by an elbow in the head from, Matt Cook. Yep. And nobody got suspended. Nothing happened. Yeah. And that to me was, I couldn't, to this day, I can't believe it. You well, know, I there's, just, yeah. I, I, it's beyond my ability to comprehend there, that. There's just more scrutiny now because of how many video angles we have of right. everything. You slow it all down. And, and with more and more attention on head injuries, it, it, it's been more on the football side of things with concussions and CTE. But, you know, the, those questions have been brought up in the hockey world, too. And then you start to wonder about the legal ramifications about protecting other players. And then whose shoulders that does that fall upon? Is it the commissioner? Is it the GMs? Is it the Department of Player Safety? And you know, it becomes an increasingly impossible job as technology and medicine grows. But I, I agree with, with all you guys. That Gary wins that round, though. He brought up a bunch of good points. And I suppose that uh, with the question that he came up with, uh, I was ready to award him the win. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear the answer to the question, though, from him. The question was, was it impossible? It is impossible. Yeah. That was well, there, implied. There. Okay, good. Answer. You win. Yes. <laughs> there you go. So, so Gary, wins, uh, Gary wins the first question. No, and, and I'm with you, Gary, really. Uh, on, on everything you said there. Uh, on to question number two here in the quiz. Is there a danger for the Vegas franchise attached to all of this early success? Gary? The answer is yes. Does that mean you would turn your back on the success? Absolutely not. However, managing expectations is a huge part of, 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 of marketing a team and making sure that you know, people are invested in your team long term. People here in Vegas don't know what losing is about in the National Hockey League. And again, who cares? You, you, like that's going to be Kerry Bubolt's job to figure out, you know, how to how to live how to live in that world. But you know, the the home record is the best in the National Hockey League. Going to a Vegas Golden Knights game is a party, and you drive home feeling great about yourself because the team wins. Someday that's going to be different, and that is going to be uh, how how people deal with that as a as a marketplace and accept that that that's uh, that, that's going to be a big task for the organization to figure it out. So yes, it is dangerous. No question, I, they've set the bar so high that yeah, I mean there is a fear of um, look. There's still a long way to go this season, understandably so. But the bigger picture is where do they go from here? Because the expectation level now is through the roof because of what they've done through they've, they've done through the first 47 games. So, yeah. yeah, that is a concern. Now that being said, all of us that are a part of this on a daily basis, you wouldn't trade it for the world. I Absolutely. mean, they have yeah, yeah. they can they they whether it's going to be soon, they're going to already break the record for most wins by an expansion team, and they they could tie it before the All Star break. They continue to demolish the record books for expansion teams. It seems like every night, Shane, we talk about something, right? Whether it's, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the best home record in the league or you know, the, the fastest team to this, the fastest team to that. 
So yeah, there is a, I, I've got to believe there's a concern. Look, this isn't, this has never happened in the history of the league. So yeah, I think as you look down the road, that's something that you think about, but you also have to, you know, enjoy this because this is, this is, this is as rare as it gets. I don't think there's a danger to the franchise. I think there's a danger to the team's success because yeah, you mentioned right. for the fans. Yeah. But for the franchise, I don't think you could have asked for anything better to have this community connect with this team quicker. You've moved, to me, in my opinion, you've moved, uh, you've fast-forwarded a couple of years in growing this team into the community, to the fabric, to the fans, to the connection, uh, to trying to grow the game of hockey. There's no better way than, than seeing the success of these players, for young players, for people interested in hockey, to grow the game, to have this amount of success early. I think this moves them forward and helps them, puts them years ahead. But when you look at the team, yeah, there's a danger because sure. you mentioned you got to manage expectations and everything you guys said. It's like a fire, you know, you, you, you light a fire and you, it's a slow burning fire and those coals burn for a long time. You throw gas on a fire and it can burn that wood and yeah. suck up that oxygen really fast. And maybe the other part of it would be too, Dan, if you're a player in another city and you're a free agent and you look at what's going on, you say, what is that all about out there in Vegas? I want to be a part of that. Every game's well, like that's a, already there. Yeah, right. Every game's like a playoff atmosphere, Every right? Every team that comes in. Every team that comes in is the best atmosphere in the league. And they've had a team here playing games for four months. So, you know, that's something that to give thought to down the road of, you know, in terms of attracting players to come here, it's already sold itself. It's been huge for the franchise. It's already sold itself. Yeah. Sheriff wins that one. I, I appreciate the distinction you make there, Shane, between the franchise and the team. In other words, you know, what happens with the players and salary cap and let's face it, that the guys on the team right now, the whole roster of 23 guys will not be the same next year. You know, the players come and go. It's more likely that the management, the ownership will be in place much more long term and the success early uh, has allowed them to grow more quickly, as you point out. So I, I, I think the distinction is an important one to make there. The team versus the franchise well-being, I think, has just coming to the, the show today, listening to a story on national public radio, and, and I love the local affiliate, but the national national public radio had a program about the Golden Knights. So they are getting that attention. Uh, I, and I think that there's, uh, there's a lot that you can appreciate about what's going on. You're thinking about, you know, next year, five years, ten years, but this group is here for the long haul. Okay, on to question number three. Again, we've got Gary won the first question. Sheriff wins the second question. Here's question number three. Pressure's on, Dave. Okay. Uh, what's the best line in hockey? What is the best line in hockey? Obviously, there's a, a certain Golden Knights line that factors into the conversation. Yeah. What do you think's the best line in hockey? I'm up. Well, right now, to me, the best line in hockey is Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand. They, they haven't lost in 17 games in Boston. Uh, Bergeron's 20 goals, Pasternak 20 goals, Marchand 21 goals. You got three 20 goal scorers on that line, and I know, hey. I know the Stamkos Kucherov is probably not a more dynamic duel, but you're talking about Bergeron, a guy that could, you know, he's, he's one of the best defensive forwards, if not one of the best. He's the best. You know, wins four Selkies. Uh, he has a chance to be a heart winner too, which hasn't been done since Sergei Fedorov. Uh, this is uh, the best line because uh, they're dangerous both ways. Um, 
and they're rolling. They haven't lost in 17 games, and that line has been leading the way. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm with you. I, I, look, as Smith and Carlson and Marsh or so have been dynamite since they've been put together in the uh, third week of October, but, you know, you look at, and, you know, we were around it enough in Boston, Sheriff, to where Bergeron, you know, when they played, the, the Golden Knights played them early, Bergeron was hurt. And then the, we were in Boston, Krejci was hurt. But everybody kind of slots in, you know, Bergeron, Krejci, Nash, and whoever's centering, it's maybe Schaller or Corrales centering their fourth line now. But their ability to, to bring something, each guy brings a little something different to that line. You know, Bergeron, as Shane said, is the best all-around player in terms of defensive forward in the league. But just had two hat tricks in 10 days, had a four-goal game, had another one last, another game, another goal last night. Marchand's ability, um, ability to score goals, and Pasternak, his breakaway speed, and just the dynamic player that he is. Yeah, as great as, you know, we've been kind of spoiled here with how good Carlson and Smith and Marchand show have been, I think that line's the best line in the league, with one caveat. Brad Marchand's probably going to get suspended, because last night he elbowed Marcus Johansson in the head against New Jersey, and He's got a record that he's been suspended before, and if you saw the, the replay, as I'm sure you did, he's probably going to miss some games because of it. Well, I didn't work in Boston for 17 years or win a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins, and uh, I worked for the Vegas Golden Knights. So, uh, <laughs> so you're going with Colorado, Landis. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, uh, sorry, it is the Carlson... Marcia So Smith line. They are the number well, one five line. On five. They are the number one line in the league in five on five scoring. And Shane's gonna make fun of me for this. <laughs> Facts. What, what's your no, expression? You just heard, Facts I've heard this before. Are stubborn things. Yeah. John, Adams. John Adams. Well, they, they, they score. They've scored more goals in five on five play than any other line in the National Hockey League. They're right near the top of the National Hockey League in goal differential five on five. And I love what you said about Patrice Bergeron. I'm not sure William Carlson isn't a Selkie candidate right now. He is a great 200-foot player. And obviously, we've watched Bergeron do it for a lot longer. Will Carlson is just stepping into that light. Uh, I'm just... Uh, uh, this group has taken a team that was supposed to be last in the NHL and has them fighting for top spot in the National Hockey League. That They are Vegas's best line. I have yet to see they play head-to-head -head against Stamkos, against Johansson, whoever it is when they go into other buildings or when someone comes here, they get the toughest matchup and they outscore them. And I haven't seen anybody really bottle them up. Their speed, their ability to defend, and then the creativity that comes from all three of them in the offensive zone they are dangerous against anybody and everybody in the National Hockey League. They're the best line in the NHL right now. Smith didn't have a point in four games going into last night. Sorry. And it was the Neil Perron line that really carried them we're last talking about, games. We're talking about the, the No, I we're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah, right well, now. Well, we'll see another consideration in the New well, York William Carlson Islanders. looked pretty good last night, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Two of the, two of the breakaways came shorthanded. <laughs> yeah. he, he could have had five That wasn't five night. on five. So. Okay, I there won that go. one. Yeah, I, I, actually, you did. So nicely done. Uh, no, it's there. Hey, I agree. They, they, yeah. they're right there. Sheriff too. and Dave both picked uh, the Boston yeah. line: Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, and uh, I, I liked a couple of points Dave brought up. Yep. So uh, close call, but uh, Dave uh, edged you slightly there, Sheriff. You know, oh, again, good. the Islanders. You know, to very that's just wrong. That's just wrong. 
This is terrible. This is a this is a travesty. Oh, Fair play. Uh, yeah, but the These Islanders are, are going to be here on, uh, and so Tavares and Bailey and Lee. You look at some of the plus-minus numbers. Oh. I mean, the Islanders are not even a playoff team right now, so it's hard to pick you know, a non-playoff. They're dangerous teams. at both ends of the ice. <laughs> <laughs> they give it and they take it away. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we uh, just uh, with regard to Tampa. I mean, John Cooper's got the blender going. So what the the top line is here? You've got, you know, Kucherov and Stamkos, but you have, you know, Kunitz sometimes. John, so that's kind of been mixed up there. Uh, I'm eager to see the Flyers. We haven't seen the Flyers in person yet. Couturier, Voracek, Giroux, and uh, then you mentioned McKinnon with Rantanen and Landeskog with the with the Avalanche. So some considerations there. But Dave, uh, you won that one. So everybody won a, a question in the quiz. Nicely done, Dave. Thank you so much. Neil finds it again on the right wing boards. Up top, Theodore ahead. Feeds left. Lots of room. Hot fire. Score! That's the first for Hot. Vegas takes the lead. Three to two. It's a power play goal. Big smiles up and down the Vegas bench. The Bemidji State alum, Brad Hunt, finds his first. It was tipped by a blue jacket on its way toward the net. And the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, coming to you from the D Hotel right here on Fremont Street. And our guest of the day is brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. Rock Creek Cattle Company is a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. And this working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Our guest of the day this time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, the president of your Vegas Golden Knights, Kerry Bubolts. What, what, did, what did we have to do to get you to come down here? Did, was, there a, was there a chauffeur at limo to and from? How did we get you down here? <laughs> All you had to do is ask. Oh, that's not true. Yeah, that's no, we're, true. we're here. We're excited. By the way, Rock Creek Cattle, I want to plug that. I've been up there. That is a special, special place. It's not just golf and fly fishing. The views are some of the most beautiful in the world, so highly encourage uh, if someone's interested. It's a, it's a beautiful lifestyle up there in Montana. Well, Dave and I keep hearing about it. Gary tells us about it. Gary, Gary, no Dave and Shane. No. No, we've, we haven't had the opportunity yet. We're, we're looking forward one day maybe to you an invite. You hired yet. When yeah, we went, you well, were... Well, Dave, Dave complains every podcast. <laughs> you so were an employee of some other organization living in some foreign land, and Gosher was in Ireland. Well, still, I, I can't or... wait. I keep hearing, and, and I, Gosher I imagine... Gosher was, was three-putting his way through uh, the... Oh, easily. Uh, the, the, At the, least. The, the, course, the courses of the Irish coast. Dropping another ball. I'm hitting five. Well, Kerry, <laughs> thanks so much for, uh, for making some time to, to spend with us. Um, What's this experience been like for you? I mean, to, to come here in the NBA for so many years and, and to, to come work for an expansion team in Vegas, I guess maybe let's, let's start at the beginning. What drew you to make the change and, and come here to Vegas and be a part of this? Well, for quite some time, I, uh, I really uh, I had always loved the NHL. It was a passion of mine. And so probably the last two or three years I was in Cleveland, um, I started to put some feelers out with some folks that I knew in the NHL that, uh, that I really wanted to get back to where my true passion was. And so I uh, put my name out there and was fortunate enough to have the chance to meet Bill Foley and uh, even more fortunate to have the opportunity to come here and, uh, and help lead the business organization of the Vegas Golden Knights. And it, the original part of your question there, just, you know, how are things, this is the most fun I've had in my professional life. It's been an absolute blast. 
Do you have to pinch yourself sometime? When you go back to the beginning where you guys all started, right from the ground floor to where it is today, did, could you have imagined this progress this quickly? Well, I, I think a lot of the foundation for what we're seeing today was already in place. Uh, Bill had, you know, had been on the ground in the market for about four years. Some other folks like Murray Craven and several others had been doing a fantastic job of just telling the NHL story and what a great game it was. And obviously the ticket drive that they went through, ultimately getting to 16,000 ticket deposits, uh, to me, that was one of the most important uh, bricks that was laid in the foundation of this organization. So I already knew that there was a great uh, foundation in place. Um, but uh, to answer your question, just in terms of did we expect it would be what it is today uh, with the success that we're having on the ice and just the incredible energy and passion that we're seeing in the market, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just incredible. It's, you, it's, it's fun to watch. You have 41 home openings in the regular season. And I got a phone call last night. I was driving home from the game, and someone said to me, you just did, you know, standing room only for Columbus on a Tuesday night in January. And it didn't matter if it was Columbus or there are obviously some teams where it doesn't matter. And Columbus is not one of the sexier teams in the National Hockey League. But that's, that, that is kind of amazing. That, I think it was the second largest crowd um, of the year, and it was Columbus on a Tuesday night in January. The, the the marketing or the sort of the the steamrolling the avalanche the snowball effect is really in, in place right now yeah well I think again that's where uh, what it starts with what's happening on the ice and the excitement and the energy and what the uh, you know what the fans are seeing with the effort that the guys are putting out every night obviously being now 19 two and two at home uh, we're a very very good team at home and of course even on the road but um, it really does start there, and uh, you know, just getting back to your point about Columbus Tuesday night. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, just more on the marketing side. Those are things that we look at, and to have the second largest crowd of the season, uh, incredibly proud. But it really just gets back to the fans, and uh, and you know, coming out and 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 buying the tickets and just doing what they do. And uh, we're just there to help support it and make for a great environment. I'm curious, Gary, how much it's changed now where you see so you come here on the ground floor and re from a season ticket standpoint or a sponsorship standpoint. And now it seems like it's almost standing room only every night and, and there's almost not, it's hard to even squeeze more people in the building. What's it been like for you to, from even a marketing standpoint, an advertising standpoint, are, are people even approaching you now as opposed to the other way around? Has it almost got to that point where people want to be on board with us? Well, definitely uh, just within the ticketing side of our business, um, you know, we started the can't wait list uh, a couple weeks ago and we've got several thousand people who have already put down additional deposits for next season. So obviously that's a great starting point. But yeah, literally people are coming out, reaching out saying, hey, we, we kind of sat on the sidelines, shame on us, but uh, we want to get involved. How do we get some seats? And uh, of course, our, uh, our ticketing crew is doing a great job of following up and getting them into a right the right type of package that fits their, you know, fits their budget and their lifestyle. Uh, the sponsorship side is always going to be, uh, you know, I don't care how much success you have. There's very few companies that are dialing up sports executives saying, I want to spend a million dollars with a sponsorship with your team. You got to go out and find them. You got to tell your story. You got to tell it with enthusiasm and passion. You got to talk about uh, the engagement that's happening in the digital community and the social community, what's happening uh, with TV rate, you know, just all the metrics that are important uh, to, you know, to make that type of investment. And so uh, we're still knocking on doors and I'm really proud of the group. Um, you know, there were a lot of folks that we talked to that just said, you know, 
we're not really sure. And uh, you know what we we believed in our product, and we weren't gonna we weren't gonna beg them for their business. We were gonna tell a story. We we're gonna tell it with enthusiasm. And if that wasn't the right fit for them, so be it. But now we're starting to hear from those same clients saying, "Wow, we're surprised. How do we get involved?" And uh, and it's been great. Kerry, when I look at this community, and an important part, I guess maybe to me, being a former player, is growing the game of hockey here in this community. And you know, having a, having a, a young son that's playing, to see the players around him, he's growing up in hockey markets, but to see his teammates and that now relate to this pro team, uh, to give you a bit sense of pride that you know that's going to happen, and these young players now and learn to skate programs and everything, all the initiatives you guys have taken, you know, what, what's your your goal in that area, and how great has it been for these guys now to have role models right here in Vegas? Well, first and foremost, hockey players are the best role models out there, and I'm proud to be associated. Uh, with this great sport. Uh, they just do such a terrific job every single day. You see the impact that they're making. Um, just as it relates to youth hockey, that was an important initiative. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think we could have done maybe a little bit better job even earlier on um, just building out some of the programming. But I really feel like now we've got the focus to really do something and build something special. Um, some of the numbers that are out there, Nevada right now has uh, 92 kids uh, uh, and under the USA Hockey umbrella under the age of eight that, have act, that are officially in hockey uh, in the state of Nevada, you know, entering this, this past season, which is the lowest in the country. And again, I look at that and say, wow, that's, that's all positive because we're building something truly from the ground floor. Um, but you mentioned learn to skate. Okay, it starts with that. We had about 400 kids in the last session. So now those kids are being exposed to the skating part of the game. And then uh, we're gonna convert them into our learn to play program and then ultimately get them more involved in a more structured uh, you know, hockey program out at City National or one of the other rinks. And actually, you know, our partner here on the podcast, the D Hotel, they, uh, they've been fantastic. They gave us a check for $100,000 to help build the game of hockey right here in Las Vegas. And so we're going to take that, uh, that investment and we're going to utilize it with our Learn to Play program. And it's really going to give us that, uh, that, ex that accelerant to really move this thing forward in a very fast way. And I really believe if you put a stick in a kid's hand, He's going to be interested in wanting to play the game, and uh, it's you know it's just such a great, um, great experience. It's fast paced, and uh, it's really a fun game for kids. I think really a true thing seeing these young players and being part of it with the, uh, with the youth, seeing the junior Golden Knights, having that jersey and something to relate to. There was a lot of talk about the meaning and what that. You know the jersey and the logo meant. I think these young guys now wearing that. It's neat to see they they see the guys the pro players wearing that jersey and they get to put on the same thing has a lot of meaning to the youth here. Yeah, that's gotta be awesome actually. I, I grew up in Oklahoma and there, there wasn't necessarily a lot of hockey uh, opportunity for us. Hockey was you know, going and taking a popcorn box and folding it up into a square and uh, playing in, you know, playing inside the house with a, you know, with a stick. And so it was more, that was really our only opportunity. And uh, it's gotta be really special for those kids. When I look out the window at City National and I see them on the ice, uh, first of all, I can't believe how good these kids are at such a young age, um, which is really exciting to see. But uh, just to see them with the logo, it just kind of furthers what we're trying to do. And it, again, it's a great source of pride, but it, it's really at a, a very early, early stage. Uh, a couple years down the road from now, it's going to be a much, much bigger program and really throughout the entire valley. And then as we look at other places where we can build ranks, um, it'll just help uh, take it to the next level as well. Kerry Bubolch joining us on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. We're coming to you from the D Hotel right here on Fremont Street. Kerry, we mentioned your time uh, in the NBA, 13 years with the Cavaliers. 
How would you encapsulize that time? LeBron James coming, leaving, coming back, winning championships. What was that like to be a part of? Well, you know, I, I think the, the, the best part was I had a chance to really see the business from uh, its peak point as well as its lowest point and, uh, and everything along the way. And so I have a real sense for what success looks like in all of the business metrics. And so I, I really believe that's going to serve me well as we, build, uh, as we build the Vegas Golden Knights to something special. And we also know what we didn't do well. And so we have all of those learnings. And so uh, there's just an entire treasure chest of experiences, some good, some bad. Um, but I, you know, I tell people all the time, um, I've already made that mistake. So let's not make that mistake again. And it allows us to uh, hopefully make better decisions for building the business as we go forward. If you watch us on television, we make mistakes on a nightly basis. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I was just going to say the same thing. Dave and I learn from each other quite a bit. The, Kerry, um, no, go ahead, Gary. Uh, Kerry, what's, what's the, the, been the best part of the, of the season for you? There must be a million moments. Give us a few of them. Well, you're not going to believe this, but one thing I really I don't miss every single game is when uh, when we get to about 6:25 and we're about two or three minutes from the guys coming out for the warm-ups. I find my same spot and I watch the entire warm-up from that spot. And again, I know the guys are just warming up, but there's an energy, there's a vibe, there's an intensity. And uh, from the music, which is more like a rock concert, to what the guys are doing on the ice, I just really enjoy that moment. So that 15 minutes or so that the guys are warming up, I never miss that, and I look forward to that every single game. And then the other part that I really, really enjoy is I love, in the third period, we get together with some of the, you know, some of the business team. We talk about a few things that we have to cover regarding attendance and some of that and then we watch the game in the third period together and uh, the number of times that we've had special moments whether it be the goal that we scored against Tampa with less than three seconds to go to all of the overtime winners um, the number of hugs and high fives from perfect strangers uh, late in the third period of games has just been a special moment that I'll never forget and again I look forward to that every night my mom and dad uh, they're both in their 80s they were here for the Oilers game and they were, I grew up in a small town in Canada, and they were season ticket holders for the junior team forever. And the entertainment there was the organ. And they were, I, I looked down at them uh, from the press box when they were playing uh, Little John, the, uh, the pump-up music <laughs> at one point in time. And, uh, you know, they're just kind of like stones sitting there. But my mom said to me after the game, she's like, so was this a special night? <laughs> with all of this stuff going on, like the marching band and, and the, the parade and the drummers. I go, no, that's, uh, that's, that's a Tuesday night of hockey in, uh, in Vegas. How proud of you are you of the show? Because uh, it's one thing what's happening on the ice, but everything else that goes around it is, is different than anything in the NHL. And frankly, it's better than anything in the NHL. Yeah, well, first off, I, I had a chance early on in my career to kind of be that guy, to be the game ops guy, be on the headset calling a show. And so I have a real appreciation for, again, what success looks like and when it's done well and when it's not done well, the timing that's associated with it and the creativity, which I don't really have the creative side of it, but um, I really understand that part of it. I think it, 
it's really important. Not to mention, Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. And we said early on that, uh, that not every person coming into the arena was going to be a fan of hockey. And so if we were going to build this thing long term, we were going to have to put on a great show because we knew that the hockey side would come and that people would ultimately become fans of that. But we wanted to put on a great entertaining environment, a great show. And so uh, we worked with Bill Foley to make some significant investments in that space. And then ultimately, uh, the opportunity to hire Johnny Greco to lead that team. Johnny uh, came to us from the WWE. And again, whether you like professional wrestling or not, you have to appreciate the live event nature of what they do each and every night. And uh, he's an absolute expert in that space. And so, um, you know, I really look forward to, I spend a lot of time during our games watching the show part, uh, you know, whenever play stops on the ice. And, and I'm real proud of what we've been able to do. But we, there's another level out there for us. And uh, we're gonna continue to build on it. And uh, you'll see it as we move throughout the season. You already thinking down the road, Kerry, I mean, as great as you're in the moment, and this is terrific, and the team's had a great first half, a little past the first half now, and, and hoping for great things over the next few months. As a staff, when you sit there, are you already thinking two and three and four years down the road? And if so, what are your, what's your thought process to try to grow this even more? Well, I, I think first and foremost, um, you know, I'm, I'm a process-oriented individual, so I really believe that the strength of what we've been able to do so far has been having a leadership team that's engaged, that understands what our priorities are. Uh, my, my word internally is the big rocks. And uh, we had 10 really important rocks as we were launching the brand that I felt like we achieved every single one of those at a very, very high level. And so we just started a process a couple weeks ago to, to uh, lay out the foundation for business planning for 2018, 2019. We've already started with uh, you know our campaign for tickets for next year. We started the, the can't wait list, which again, we've got several thousand people who have already put down deposits for that. We've also communicated pricing for next season which, uh, you know, at this point in time, um, you know, we've had very few people who have opted out for next season. And in most cases, it was, uh, you know, other factors. It wasn't that they felt the value was there that caused them to have to, uh, to opt out of their tickets. Um, but the ticketing side of our business is in a terrific place. And so really just getting everybody aligned with what our goals are for next year, again, because we want to continue to build on this. There's a lot of doubters that are still out there about hockey in the desert. And, uh, and I just love to talk about it because the foundation that we've laid this season, along with the work that's already in place for next year and several years beyond, uh, is incredible. And it's going to allow us to continue to build on it. Uh, I don't believe in honeymoons. Uh, I believe great organizations build on the honeymoon. And I believe we're a great organization. So I'm not looking at any scenario where next year we have a setback and we drop back in any of our uh, revenue areas or any of our other business metrics. We're going to build on them, and we're going to build the best franchise in the National Hockey League. One more. We talked a lot about the home games, and that's the, the momentum generated there. But, you know, Dave, Dan, Gary, and I, of course, we want to know what happens when you're away. There's been a lot of watch parties. How much fun have you had with that? And Obviously, the chance to watch and listen to uh, to us on there, but uh, I don't know about the big, big screens and how good Dave <laughs> looks. But how, how fun has that been when this team's been away to generate momentum with those watch parties? Yeah, and I, I really enjoy that. I mean, as much as it, it's fun to like be at your own house and have the uh, focus of being able to enjoy the game experience 
in your house without any other distractions. Uh, I've had a handful of those scenarios. I would much rather go out to one of our watch parties. We've got some great partners in the market, folks like Born and Raised, folks at Top Golf, uh, McKenzie River Pizza, of course. And uh, I love to go there and hang out with other Golden Knights fans. And I, you know, I've, again, I've been fortunate to see some really high demand situations with my time in the NBA. And what I'm seeing in the market is only. Uh, I had only seen that before at very advanced scenarios in the playoffs where that many people would come to one establishment, they would wear the, literally wear their gear. So if you go to McKenzie River for the game tomorrow night, even though it's a home game, the place will be at capacity. People will be in their jerseys, they'll be in their team hats, and literally it's just like a game. So when the team scores, they'll break out into go nights, go chance. If we happen to be in a scenario where we have to kill off a power play for the visiting team and we, uh, we clear out the zone, they're clapping. Um, it's just like being at a game and uh, the fandom and the connectivity uh, and the energy at those uh, at those events is uh, is just an absolute blast. So I, I love going. I can't always get my wife to go. Um, she's not necessarily as big a fan as I am to be there every single game. Um, but I really enjoy the experience, and uh, it's just to me, it's part of what we do. I think we should maybe see. The problem is we can't go to these because we're busy. So we <laughs> can maybe right. skip a game. That's right. <laughs> we I could hear, join you down there. I hear there's another strange phenomenon that at the start of the midway through the second intermission, everybody just gets quiet and listens precisely to what's being said on the television. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> you could hear a pin drop. What that's happens? Right. They're focused on every single word. There's that so mute yes. button on the remote. Do you hit, the, hit it then? That's right. Is but that it, it is fun. You guys do an absolute terrific job. And again, it's like everything that we do early on. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we had a lot of meetings internally, at, you know, in terms of how's the broadcast flowing so far, but I really feel like the team that we've put together uh, and the energy and, and, again, the fun that's associated with the broadcast. At the end of the day, it is about the game on the ice, um, but I really enjoy the, the dialogue that takes place. Uh, I learn about the game, but I also uh, see a group of people that are having a good time, and to me that's important. Uh, if you're going to build a successful business. Well, Gary, first off, you're not dealing with the brightest bulbs on the tree on the TV side, so, <laughs> so we appreciate the kind words. But, and we also appreciate you coming down here as well. So, Anytime, anytime. Yeah, we certainly have fun. I think yeah. that's uh, all of us involved. And it's been quite a ride here, and there's a lot of fun ahead. Kerry Buboltz, president of the Vegas Golden Knights, joining us, our guest of the day from the D Hotel right here on Fremont Street on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Penalties down to 54 seconds. Lead pass, Carlson is in, he fakes, he scores! Backhander Carlson, 5-2 Vegas, his second of the game, 27 goals, William Carlson. Third breakaway of the night, third time's a charm. He faked out Bobrovsky, coming in on the forehand, and the lefty shifted to his backhand and tucked it home inside the right post. So the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast coming to you from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights, outside on Fremont Street. Hashtag SLGND, time for raise or fold. So, fellas, the Columbus Blue Jackets were here uh, the last game the Golden Knights played, John Tortorella, uh, certainly one of the more quotable coaches in the NHL. We'll start with you, Gary. Roy, razor fold, Tortorella had great comments on you know, his team had, had four days in Vegas, right? And he basically said, I want them to go out. Playing guilty is something that's one of the best parts about being in the NHL. His feeling is that nobody really does it anymore. Razor fold on Torts' comments. 
Uh, fold, absolutely. Uh, obviously, I think there are times to bond as a team. It's not the night before a game, not in today's NHL, with the fitness level that players are at and with the parity. Some team's going to miss miss the playoffs by two points, and it's going to be because you had to go out the night before a game. You had you had to show up for the morning skate loaded. Sorry, do it the night before that when you first get into town and uh, or or when you have an off, the night the day before an off day. It's a long season. I get the bonding part of it. It doesn't have to happen the night before a game. How do you know what happened the night before? <laughs> I don't. He said he, play, he's refer- play, playing yeah, guilty. Yeah, he's referring into they were here since Saturday. So they, no, no, no. The, and, the you question know what, is, you know what I find the question funny? is about playing guilty. You know what's great about this is because, uh, you know, Gary, you're a journalist. You've uh, been part every time. Oh, it's so vanilla in hockey. I love a coach to speak his mind, to give a quote, give us something quotable. Do and when they do, it? you hate I have it. To I don't get it. it. I don't hate it. I love, no, I love the fact junk. that he You put can't it say your, that. You said he it. can't say that. You folded on it. I, I, I folded on his comment. Is his his pr- the premise of his comment? No, you said he that can't you say should, that. I didn't say he can't you say that. You said that the other day then. <laughs> you did say that. I thought, you know what? It's great. Whatever. Say it. I don't care. You know what? They weren't out the night before. This was about his team being here, having together playing guilty it's an old reference in today's game nobody does it and it's it's gone by the wayside but every now and then there's nothing wrong with it i, I thought it was a great comment because we just don't get stuff like that anymore i raised on a big time because i, I to your point Shane, nobody says anything anymore nobody says anything in the twitter world and social media well, world. twitter world they do it's easy because you yeah, know but i mean once it's out there if you say something a little off color it's 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 out and it's never coming back again and yeah i Look, I, I get I get what you're saying. Look, Garrett, yeah, to come show up the next day still hammered, that's one thing. But to show up the next day and pop a couple a leave and get rid of the headache and go out there for the morning skate and shake out the cobwebs, you know, that, I that happens that once in a while. Rarely. Yeah, but back in your day, Sheriff. Oh, yeah, that, maybe a little more. That then, was but still uh, a pretty regular basis. Listen, and the other part of his comments, which were kind of, they're He's, great. He says, you know, we all drink carrot juice. Yeah, and you want the quote? The yes, I do. Here's the quote directly. Uh, I want them to go out. I think playing guilty is a big part of being a really good player in the National Hockey League. We don't do that anymore. Heaven forbid. We have agents <laughs> and their whole entourage making sure you drink that carrot juice and all this stuff. You can't have a beer. That's yeah. going to dehydrate you. We all we all know why that doesn't happen anymore. That is it's, a direct quote. That's yeah, not paraphrasing. It, it, that's not a joke. That's no. from the, re- the Columbus the Dispatch. Direct it, quote. The reason it doesn't happen anymore is because the charter flights leave, the, the, leave a city right after a game. There's, it used to be you would stay over and fly somewhere the next day for your next game. Well, now, and they would go out after a game. Now they get on the plane and go to the next place and get there at 3 in the morning and go to bed. You that, raise that's, your, that's the reason for that. Dan Duva, you raise your fold on this. Well, uh, I'm going to fold because they lost. If they had won, I would have raised. <laughs> but they lost, so it, it didn't work. And, and to me, you know, John Tortorella is a very smart coach. He's a teacher. And when he says those things, he's trying to find a way to to get his team to, you know, kind of snap yes. out of it a little bit. They only had two games in 11 days. It just didn't work. Um, you know, he might have said it, and they might have played well. Nick Foligno, I mentioned this earlier, he had some great comments after the game yesterday, and he talked about the distraction of Vegas as bull something, bull nonsense, uh, because they were ready to play. It was not a distraction to be here. They just weren't good enough, especially in that second period. So I admire what Nick Foligno had to say. Uh, but uh, 
I'm, I'm going to take that path to it. And uh, the, the result was not there for the Blue Jackets, so I fold. It didn't work for Tortorella. If you can't get your stuff together by 7 o'clock, right, exactly. what's going Like, what world exactly. are we in? Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's on you. Yeah. So anyway. I, I, again, I, I, had, I find John Tortorella entertaining, and, and he says there, and part of his quote extended was that there's not enough personality in hockey. Well, I mean, he's trying to do it all himself in terms of personality. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but I, I'd have to fold, but only because they lost it. Well, <laughs> I've been part of a team that was the best team I've ever played with, and very, very good at that. Yeah. And there's no better yeah. way to come exactly. together. Exactly. I know it's a different game today, so that one probably will all agree you to disagree. Know, this is the other thing, too. In your day, when you guys went to the bar, you stood there and you talked to one another and you bonded. You put a bunch of these kids in a room in a bar, they're all looking at their phones. Oh, yeah. They don't even talk to one another. How are they bonding? I don't know. I haven't been out with them, but I, I still believe there, there's, there's something to it. And, uh, well, we'll see what so happens. We got two raises and two folds with uh, Duva with a qualified fold because they lost the game. Yeah. That's about right? Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Razor fold. We talked earlier about who uh, might be the best line in hockey. What about the best player in the game and the most valuable player in the game? We'll start, uh, Nigel, I want to start with you, I guess, on this one. Patrice Bergeron for MVP, Razor Fold. Are we, are we just doing individuals? Well, I don't know. I'm just reading what's on the piece of paper. Right now, I fold. <laughs> I don't think he's the MVP of the league. I think he, he he's certainly one of the top players, but uh, I don't see him as the MVP, so I fold on uh, Bergeron. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I, same reason. I fold. I think there are a couple other candidates that I might raise on. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I admire the way he plays the game, but I'm not sure it's an MVP kind of qualifier. Yeah, I love him. Love him, but MVP, I don't think so. Fold. Love man? Fold. Okay, that was easy. And I fold about Nathan McKinnon. Fold. 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 Right, right now, I'm going to raise on him. Oh. I mean, he's right now. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, yeah. he's been the he's best lift, player in the he's, league. He's lifted that team uh, from, you know, the depths of despair. And they had that they had that trade. And a lot of people, they could they could have folded as a team. And instead, he's driven them. He's led them. He's among the top scorers in the NHL over, over that stretch. And uh, right now, they just won 10 in a row. Yeah. Uh, Nathan McKinnon gets MVP consideration. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Jared, right. have you got an MVP mind to raise on? I think it's still too early. Yeah. Need to see the yeah. whole thing. I yeah. think, you know, we're, we're at the point in the season. The, the MVP should go, it's, it's the whole 80, I want to see the whole 82-game schedule before yeah. we make yeah. that selection. So, Razor Full, one final one here. Um, it's amazing to believe the Ottawa Senators were within a goal of going to the Stanley oh. Cup Finals last year, and now they're near the bottom of the NHL. Um, so, Razor Full, their, their uh, GM, Pierre Dorian, had a a meeting with the players in Ottawa last week and he kind of went at them and the players some players gave it back to him so razor fold we'll start with you I guess Deuce, this time around razor fold on a GM addressing the team fold absolutely fold no question about it uh, you know you talk about the system breaking down and clearly in Ottawa you know the owner of the team and, and I don't want to disparage anybody in the organization but when you have people speaking out of school publicly um, you know, about the future of the franchise and clearly, you know, players on the block, where's somebody going to go? For the general manager to step in, you're usurping the, the authority of your coaches. Um, you know, if a GM has a problem with the team, uh, you got to go to the coach. And if the coach can't handle it, then you make a coaching change. And if you don't want, like, a particular player or two, you move on from them. I, I think you're just, the, the system is, we're seeing it break down before our eyes in Ottawa. Well, man. Your Absolutely fold. It's yeah. not his. It's not. It's not his room. It's not his place. The players and the head coach. 
that are in there every day that are in it's like you show up in the trenches after your team has been after, after your soldiers have been getting pelted and, and fought and you go in and say you're not doing a good enough job and then you hop out of the trench nothing is more contrived or manufactured in, in, in my estimation stay out of the room leave it to the coaches and the players I agree it's it's a it's a full, but I, I don't know what it is about this Ottawa organization. Like, Dorian's a pretty mild manner guy. Uh, but I believe Brian Murray was a general manager when he stepped in, and then he ended up coaching. It happened then. I was part of the Ottawa Centers. The only time I ever saw GM come in, which was John Muckler. We were down 3-1 in New Jersey in the conference finals. He came in. We battled back to a seventh game. But that was because Jacques Martin was a great coach. Wasn't much of a motivator. Muckler came in. Uh, so that that's a hat trick for uh, for what I know of general managers talking in the <laughs> Ottawa organization, but I fold on them all. The uh, and I fold on it as well. The only time I had. Um, Why do you have a coach then? Well, that's the point. Yeah, right. So. One of the first. Next? What's one, next? The insider coming in right. and giving the. In, hey, I like that. Let's send Gary Lawless in there to motivate. Don Brennan. I wouldn't get out of the room. Bruce Garriotch. Come on in. I wouldn't in. get out of the room. <laughs> you know, and then it's another thing. I mean, some GMs have hired themselves to be the coach. Some yeah. have done it on more than one occasion. Well, Mike I mean, Milbury? You, right, well, there you go. Amarillo on Lamarillo. multiple occasions. If you, if you are uh, so willing to step into the room, then you might as well fire the head coach and hire yourself. Well, that's the only thing. I was, and I fold on it big time, too. Yeah. The, the, the example I, that just kind of comes to mind is a long time ago. But um, I don't know, first or second year, I was, I was in Providence. You guys remember Bobby Francis? When oh, I was yeah. coach in uh, Phoenix and so forth. And he was the head coach in Providence, and Mike O'Connell was the GM of the Bruins, or assistant GM, I guess. And he came down to Providence in the AHL and basically ripped into the team. Wow. And Bobby Francis said to him, don't ever do that again. If you want to coach the team, you coach the team. Yeah, it's got to be that Otherwise, way. Otherwise, what are we doing? So, yeah, yeah it's idiotic. idiotic. And, it's, because here, and if it backfires, which in this case, it seems like it couldn't have backfired much worse because the players went back at him. Yeah. So then that, you know, that shows you... I think where he stands on all of it, too. I mean, so anyway. And you figured, you know, say Arizona or Buffalo were having two of the roughest seasons right. in the league. But right now, if there's a locker room I would want to avoid at all costs, it'd be the Ottawa yeah. room right and now. And that doesn't even get into the whole Eric Carlson saga. That's right. a whole yeah. separate issue. Yep. But uh, So that's Razor Fold. All right, our last segment here uh, where Dan kind of tells us uh, everything we screwed up, which is usually a lengthy list, uh, <laughs> on a weekly basis. So. No, you, you got it right. I mean, just uh, Columbus had only played two games in 11 days. We were looking for the exact number there. But, yeah. uh, but okay, all in all... Oh, yep. It was uh, it was a well-produced show. You got something? Well, I was just going to tell you, this little fact check is brought to you by the uh, Foley Food and Wine uh, Society. Oh, wow. So Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate their three greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you will have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit, Dan. Maybe if you laid off the Foley, you wouldn't be, <laughs> you wouldn't be playing guilty right now, and you wouldn't be getting your facts wrong. I tend That's to, all I have to say. I tend to enjoy the taste of the spirits on occasion. Yeah, he doesn't need two. to be guilty to get his facts wrong. It's <laughs> <laughs> your average everyday dope, to be honest with you. Right, Anybody else screw anything up? No, no, no carrot juice, just coffee here. Yeah, uh, okay. So I'm going to go off the board with the three stars today. Normally, I'd pick one of you, Jamokes, to be one of the stars, but... Uh, uh, 
to be here at the D. The folks at the D have been outstanding to us. And a shout out to Tyler Pico as well yeah, from the Golden yes. Knights. Yeah, I was thinking, Pico's the first star. Uh, the it's rare, but uh, is Tyler Pico. The, no doubt about it. Uh, everybody yeah. here, um, it's just awesome to be here. I and mean, of course, the D has been our presenting sponsor, but now to actually do the show here at the D on Fremont is uh, really cool for us, and uh, we look forward to coming uh, back very often. So off the board today, yeah. uh, the first star is none of you, Jamokes. It's, uh, it's Perfect. the D and Tyler agree. Pico leading like the way. It. Tyler, as I like to say, put yourself in for an extra week of vacation with Bay. <laughs> and next time we're here, I'd like you to set up zip lining for Shane. There that would go. be awesome. Fantastic. We'll get him hooked up with a remote uh, headset up there and the whole nine yards. So <laughs> the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Again, uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, send your comments over to Shane. And uh, great to have you with us here from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. We'll talk to you next time.